Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. the next reel everybody i'm pete wright and that there is andy nelson hey 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 and we spoil movies in just a matter of seconds you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day long before we had a website or listeners or taste or class we called ourselves movies we like which was with the benefit of hindsight a terrible name. But before we send you through the window of time to gaze your earballs on movie podcast history, you should learn more about us at thenextreel.com, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Reel. And if you decide to become a regular listener of this show and you're interested in supporting our ongoing work on our other series like The Film Board or The Speakeasy and Trailer Rewind, please consider a regular donation to us through our Patreon page at Patreon com slash the next reel all the contributors are invited to join us in our slack channel where we have tons of fun and they are entered to win our regular contests guest spots on this very show all sorts of good stuff so thank you everybody for downloading and listening to the next reel we appreciate your time and attention we hope you enjoy the show tom tom hanks played an aerosmith roadie with wayne's world well, with the Wayne's World guys on the Wayne's World show, yeah, I re- oh yeah, I remember they, they brought Tom, you know the Aerosmith roadie onto their show, and it was Tom Hanks, and he was the one his his role on, as part of the roadie you know trip is he would check the mics, and so he would always go check check sibilance sibilance when he came out to check the mics. <laughs> Chad would have gotten uh, that. That dates that dates you. Doesn't it? I mean, Wayne's World was uh, what um, eighty-eight. It only dates me if I want it to date me. <laughs> I think it's eighty-eight. I'm going to go with eighty-eight. I'm going to check it right now. Uh, oh, don't check it. You make me feel old. Wayne's World. Party time! It. Excellent. Oh, Nineteen ninety-two. Well, the movie. The movie. So actually, I could I could be right. I mean, it, that that could be four years, right? You're probably right. It probably was about. Well, was it four years running on the show? It wasn't that funny. I say eighty nine or ninety. All right. It's just my. Well, you're the professional in the film industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's me, Mister Movie Man. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, uh, have you been able to, um, well, I need to ask you this first. Where do you stand on The uh, the Walking Dead? I am embarrassed to say I have yet to see it, but I want to if that counts for anything. <laughs> Alas, it does not. It's, uh, it, it's, oh man, that, I was hoping to have something else to talk to you about today. 
Well, I'll tell you, I'm really behind on my AMC shows. I finally have caught up with Breaking Bad. I've All right, watched... you, we're tied. I've never seen that. Okay, I've only watched one season of Mad Men, and I have yet to watch um, Walking Dead. So I'm slowly trying to wade through things. Of the three, knowing that I have seen uh, Mad Men and that I have not seen Breaking Bad, I can say with, uh, I'm going to go 33 and a third percent confidence that The Walking Dead is the best of those three. Oh, really? Yeah. I, Mad that Men, is because no, why? Mad Men, Mad Men just pissed me off. It's oh, so, really? It was a snooze and a half. I could, you got to get into it faster. You got to tell me what the hell is this thing about faster. I didn't get it faster. I watched four episodes. And I, was, I, don't, I don't care about this show. So that's all you've seen is four episodes? Yeah, four episodes. I don't care about it. Well, all right. Should I care about it more? I mean, what, what, should, at what episode should I, what episode do I have to get past when I'll care about it? I cared about Walking Dead in the first 35 seconds. 35 seconds I cared about that show. Well, that's good. That's very impressive. And I, I think that's a, uh, a, an accomplishment for that show. That Mad Men? Well. F- four hours? Four hours I do of my life I want back. <laughs> Well, to be honest, I have not yet watched any more of the series. Angela finished all of them. She's caught up, and I, I've yet to get excited enough to watch anymore. I liked what it was doing, but I'm not, I'm not champing at the bit with it. Is it? Uh, could I? I thought I, my hypothesis was that uh, I'm jaded because I, I uh, work in, in and around advertising, and I don't, and so it, it's not novel. Um, it's just, it's the same, same BS that goes on at work, except for they smoke more. Well, yes. You know, they did a great job with the finale of that show. The season of of the first season of the first season. It was, uh, it was a really great episode. It did a lot for, um, let me guess. John, John Hamm. Was that that his name? John Hamm. Hamm? He was sleeping with somebody who's not his wife. Is that, was that what was happening? (laughs) Uh, he probably was. I mean, I think they all are. <laughs> okay. Oh, you funny guy. Spoiler. No, I'm not. John Ham sleeps with somebody. Oh, he, oh he said it. He said it. He said it. What a bastard. <laughs> oh man, I just it didn't. But no, Breaking was... Bad is is a stellar show. That one, it's hard to not get excited about. Did you ever watch The Shield? Did we ever talk about yeah, The Shield? Oh, yeah. You know, you actually, I'm going to say, you got me into The Shield, and you you did it, uh, I think, uh, I, wa- <laughs> I wanted to say posthumously, but I don't think that's the <laughs> wow. word, because I'm talking to you now. But it was one of those things where I you told not. me to watch The Shield, and then it was like six years later, I finally watched the whole thing. In in like six weeks, I watched every every episode. And what an ending, huh? That was a that was a freakishly good show. Yeah, that was, was a every episode was I really still great. Think it's one of the best um, shows that I've seen on TV. I just thought you know it was hard to top yeah. what they did with that show. You know, I I think a show that is uh, that's tried uh, very hard to to do that is the uh, and I haven't we don't get the the channel so I haven't watched it um, uh, as much as I I think it deserves. But it's the uh, Dennis Leary show, the firefighter one. Uh, yeah, I've never watched that actually, but I've heard it's really good and that he's really good in it. Yeah, yeah, that he is. It's it's really a stellar uh, showcase for that guy. You know, I want to tell you, and then we got it. We got to get to the yes. purpose of our uh, meeting here tonight. But I want to tell you another one that surprised me. Caprica. Where do you stand on Caprica? You know, I didn't watch it. 
Um, I really enjoyed what they did with Battlestar Galactica. I think um, they kind of lost their path a little bit toward the end, although I, I am one of the few who probably still enjoyed the finale. But because of the way that it kind of built and ended, I just never got you know interested in watching Caprica. I don't know. I was just never inspired to watch it. I uh, I don't know. Maybe it was because uh, so I watched um, I watched after the first season of Galactica. I, I was at this uh, the Blog World uh, conference and and uh, Long Beach and and Ronald Moore was there, hmm. uh, and he said in a talk about you know there was a, the whole discussion was about how the you know the team was using social media to interact with fans and to get feedback and that kind of a thing it was kind of a, a douchey conference but um <laughs> but his talk at least was 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 not not great but he was a very personable guy and and he said that you know the day he came up with the concept of the revisioning of of Battlestar Galactica he knew exactly how it was going to end oh and, really and and has and stayed true to that that it was going to be a four season arc and it was going to end in that way and knew it then at the time. And so I'm always surprised when I hear people say that it it seemed like it spiraled the last season, knowing that he he intended it to do that. Because I didn't get that impression, because the whole thing in my head was like, wow, he totally planned that. That's no, bizarre. I, I, I never thought that he didn't plan it. I just thought that the direction that he took with it was just a little strange. All right. You know, it, but I mean, it felt like something that somebody had come up with an idea and they they went with it whole hog. And I think this is why I still like it and respect kind of what he did. It felt like he had his idea, he made it, and he ended it, and that was that. And yeah. he didn't he didn't worry about you know getting feedback from focus groups and changing the direction of the season and yeah. all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. so I, I still respect all of that, and I like how you know how he brought it to closure. Um, I don't know. It just, I think the very last season, it, it did not do for me what like the first two seasons really did. Cause I, the first two seasons were, I think some of the best sci-fi out there. Yeah. So. When, you know, the problem for me, I can pinpoint it. It was when, uh, Apollo got into politics. He messed, they yeah. messed up the whole, when we lost him from the cockpit, uh, that was uh, not good. Uh, yeah. Things took right. a, uh, but I wanted to say about, uh, Caprica. So I, avoided that i do i was not wowed by the when the miniseries hit yeah. and and so what, a year and a half later it came back uh and i i didn't watch it when it aired and so i just finished it last weekend and i was really surprised that i i think when i was surprised my reaction because it seemed like everybody said oh well the first couple of episodes were great and then it went downhill from there and for me boy it picked up after the after the half season break hmm. And I, I ended up really regretting that I actually watched it because it was one of those that was painful not to have a season two. Like, I wanted oh, to see really? that story continue. Like, I felt like there was a 58-year gap between the two series, and I wanted to know. Yeah. Uh, it just looked like an excruciatingly expensive show and <laughs> uh, to produce. So, uh, yeah. it was just really, I was sad. So, curious what they did. And I'll tell you, man, that Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Not not bad. I want to see him again. He was he he was terrific. Yeah, he kind of doesn't do a whole lot, does he? He doesn't. He doesn't. A very particular guy. He was. Uh, I, I, it was good. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about Temple. If adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. 
Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Indiana Jones. And the Temple of Doom. Is that how we call it? Raiders was Raiders. What, yeah, Raiders. I call, I call, I call it Temple. You call, I call it, it Temple? I call it Temple, I guess. You sound like a Mormon. Temple. Let's talk about Temple. It <laughs> does temple. sound a little Mormon, doesn't it? What? Uh, Let me ask you a question. Yeah, go. Jump back to 1984 yeah. and... Talk about your recollection of seeing this for the first time. Um, yeah, I um, I did not see it. So last last week we talked about how I saw you know Raiders with my dad, and it was this sort of transformative movie going experience. This movie I saw with my buddies, and I, I'll bet we were carrying some facsimile of um, you know toy lightsabers on our belts or. <laughs> Something we probably had, but we were not the cool cool kids. And so, uh, I I remember uh, having a uh, glorious good time uh, at this movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it did not age well with me, right? Like I well, walked. I I don't remember. I don't remember walking out in 1984 thinking, "Wow, this movie was stupid," right? Right. And then I didn't watch it for a lot of years. Like, I, this is not a movie I went and, like, rushed out. The only reason I had it on VHS when I bought it is because I bought the set, the the trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, just so I could have the first and the third. And so this one was kind of just along for the ride. You know, I, th- I think for me, I mean, I think that's very true. And, you know, let's, you know, jumping back in time, I think we also have to acknowledge that a lot of these movies were coming out at a time where we didn't have like VHS decks weren't that common in everybody's houses. I mean, you know, I didn't have any way to go back and watch movies again. So, um, that's, yeah. Think about how different that is for your kids. Right. Exactly. It's, it's so completely different. So when I saw this movie, I just remember that, um, I was very, uh, taken aback by the just how shocking it was for me as a kid but how exciting it also was because i think one of the things they succeeded for kids like you know early teens um or preteens also is having um short round as a character in the film was a great way to to make a kid feel like they were along for the ride, you know? Yeah, you know. As horrifying as that ride was for a kid. Yeah, right? I mean, they did some things that the, the some of the violence in, in Raiders, which I know was was touchy, and we talked about, you know, how it was, it was touchy, and, it, you know, it was very much cartoon violence. It was fantasy violence, you know, the melting faces and the exploding heads. And I, you know, I mean, it was just, it was so out there and you could, it was kind of schlocky a little bit. So you could. Well, but really would you, would you say that because of looking back on it now? Cause I don't know if you'd say that in 1981 when it came out. No. And I don't, I don't think I would have, but I also, I also, when I, I'm also saying that through the eyes of an adult, right? Yeah. Right. You know, and I, I look at that now and I think, you know, it had I been in my you know late thirties at the time in in nineteen eighty, uh, you know I think I would have been a different story. But but when I look at that, that's to, all that's to say in contrast to 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 Temple, mm-hmm. it's uh, really undeniably dark, and the violence is um, 
much more sort of uh, uh, grown up. Uh, and it's, it's shocking to me because it is transposed on camp. Mm-hmm. Right. When you watch, uh, in the first five minutes, when you watch his buddy, the, who is the, you know, his but partner who's, uh, in the tuxedo has the gun under the tray in the opening scene. Right. 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 And, and mm-hmm. he gets shot and you watch him die in Indy's arms. Right. And then it turns into the kicking the diamond across the dance floor, uh, <laughs> you know, vaudeville dance number. Right. Yeah, right. And, and right. that was, I just watching the blood kind of seep out from his shirt as he realizes he's just been shot and Indiana Jones is holding him in his hands and their faces, uh, do you notice just how really close, intimately close their faces are, right? Mm-hmm. When, when he's like experiencing the fact that his buddy is dying, like that's a moment that could have been in another much more serious film. Sure. And, yeah. and it was, I think, you know, put in this context of the 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 thousands of black and white balloons falling just seconds later, you know, or a couple of minutes later, it's it's uh, it, it, I think that sort of sentiment is uh, it, it hits this film repeatedly. Yeah, that's not a friend that uh, we have the uh, the um, aftermath scene where we watch Indy burying his his faithful sidekick. Yeah, no, right? Well, this is the one where he runs out, jumps out the window, and falls off, leaving his dead friend to be buried in balloons. Yeah, <laughs> could- buried in balloons. <laughs> that is uh, possibly the best eulogy for this film. <laughs> All right, to be picked up. Okay, so he's picked up in his. They they fall. I, I you know I mean it's one of those things. They fall through the the veranda. Is that what you call them? the can- canopies? You know, yeah, they the fall a, a thousand stories. <laughs> right. Well, we're in Shanghai, so yeah, right, it's right. a thousand stories. They fall because I imagine that everything above <laughs> the ground is Blade Runner. It's right. It's ten thousand story skyscrapers, <laughs> and they fall, all of them have these these lean to canopies that are tied to. Uh, <laughs> did you notice actually? Uh, it, there's a an interest. I I don't know if this is interesting, but you notice the name of the club? Uh yes, of course. Did you? I did. I yeah. Club Obi Wan. Club Obi Wan. Uh-huh. Uh, the Club Obi Wan Bar. That's. Uh, I'm not even. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm not sure that's uh, that's even sneaky. It really wasn't. It's very blatantly right there. In it's front right of there. You. It's Obi Wan. But see, that's not the sort of thing. Um, I don't know if I would have connected that when I was young and watching it. Um, I don't know why. It just doesn't seem as one of those things yeah. that I felt I would have caught as a kid. You know, yeah. I don't think I was actively like reading signs in a movie. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. I that's very true. A preteen. But well, here's the thing. Okay, so we're talking about this—the juxtaposition of violence and camp—and mm-hmm. then you look at the way this movie aged for Steven Spielberg, right? I mean, it it didn't age well for that guy. I mean, he's on the record saying that this is the least favorite movie he's ever done. It's dark. It's reflective of his divorce and how he was feeling when he was divorced. And the same thing he was going through with George Lucas was uh, George Lucas was dealing with his, uh, you know, separation and they were just really down guys and they exercised those demons in this movie. And they did it through scenes of, um, you know, um, you know, watching her get, 
beat up, watching Short Round get beat up. Uh, uh, really, People's hearts getting ripped kid, out. It was hearts getting ripped out. Those I are mean, some those serious demons they have. <laughs> serious demons in this movie. And and I, so I okay, you're t- I feel like I'm I'm going way too too long on my no, rant. It, you tell me why you love this movie so much. You know, for me, I think um, it's always just been a very okay. It, it is very. Um, corny it's got a lot of that very campy humor um and it has the violence and it, it's very um uh those two things are very juxtaposed in the film but it's never bothered me so much um willie does kind of get on my nerves a little bit i think that's kind of the intention of the character but i don't know i've always found it to be just very fun a very wacky when it needs to be but it also appeals to the side of me that that just has ever since i was a you know a young kid i just have always loved watching the the gore and the bugs and just all of that gross stuff that uh you know it just seems like a very boyish sort of movie i was asking my wife about it because um she watched the end of it with me and she's just like i just don't remember this at all and i was explaining it to her and she's just like oh yeah i hated that one and i'm like well why did you hate it she's like oh it was just too disgusting it was too gross for me i didn't like watching people's hearts get ripped out and i think that that is a big reason why people didn't like it and they didn't uh feel it fit within the you know indiana jones canon as it were but for me, it's it's another adventure film. It definitely is a darker adventure film, but I don't know. It just that side of it's always kind of appealed to me. You know, the uh, it's a different side of stuff that he's exploring. I mean, it's no different than I mean, if you looked at some of the Sherlock Holmes stories. You know, there's all sorts of religious cultish activity in lots of Sherlock Holmes things. I don't recall. I haven't read that many of them, but. I don't recall humans' hearts getting ripped out, but it definitely, you know, those stories, you know, had the lighter stories and the darker stories. And for me, it was no different. It just was a very fun, interesting story. Well, I, you know, I here's my my challenge in talking about this is I'm so ill-equipped to to talk about kind of the historical relevance of the Kali cult. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that the, I mean, just knowing, you know, the little that I. No, I know that there were tribes and and uh, um, cults that did human sacrifice. That's something we've dealt with as you know, as a species for years and years. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. It's how we kind of chill when we get scared of things of concepts like God and don't know any better. Right. But the but what they did in this movie was they used these these people as a foil. Uh, for exercising these demons in a way that is that is violent and out of context with the expectation of the film that came before it. Yes, but at the same time, I think you can also argue that the filmmakers are are challenging you to experience something different. You don't necessarily want every film to feel like it's the same as the one that came before. You want to do something new and something different. You know, I think it ends up being a curse for sequels or prequels, as the case of this one, where it is, in many respects, exactly the same as the one that that it's it's following, 
And then all of a sudden, everybody's crying foul because they're like, oh, you didn't do anything new. It's just a rehash of the first one. And that would have been exactly what people said if it was just another, uh, you know, adventure in the spirit of the first one. I I want I want to say uh, you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, and I, but no, 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 no. I don't. I I take that back. I want to say that I I mean I get I get your point, and that strikes me as. Uh, Theoretically, even practically accurate, uh, in in a normal sort of production sense, and yet this movie was schizophrenic about it. Not even in the if you look at it over the story arc of the three films, uh, now four films, but mm-hmm. schizoph- schizophrenic about it, scene to scene. Right. I mean, it goes from, uh, yeah. you know, from that oh to the to the really with the boat and the. The escape from the the plane, uh, you know the the evil mm-hmm. the evil pilots who wait till just the right minute. <laughs> I, I know I love that the two pilots of Lao Che's um, plane that uh, when they escape on that plane they wait like halfway across China before they decide to bail on the plane. Right. You note they where they're exactly. <laughs> you note where they drop off is the middle of freaking nowhere. I know like, those two guys. They're gonna be they? buried in an avalanche in the middle of the, the Himalayas. They totally like, are. Kind of idiots. That was the that was the dumbest thing ever. And, and, and they even make a stop if you watch the map. Like they do, they stop Shanghai, for fuel, and there's a little stop, and then they continue on. I mean, like seriously, what kind of assassins are these? The worst assassins <laughs> ever. That's what they are. They're the worst assassins ever. I yes, uh, so hired by the writers. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. I mean, you watch that yellow uh, thing. It falls a long time as it's inflating. Exactly, right? it right. falls a long time, and it lands. I guess it lands soft. It lands just but at it, the right angle. Man, on a does steep it, slope. it really does, <laughs> and it bounces. It bounces hard. Because <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, I, they weren't sitting like on the edge of the raft, the inflatable. They were in the raft. On that's the, right. Just, they were it, piled on top of each other. I don't want anything, uh, you know, be- between me and the and the force of relativity. <laughs> <laughs> but a piece of like five micron plastic. That's right. Uh, if all I can have is an inflatable raft that I'm set. Yeah, right. And well, and thank God, thank God they made it down the mountain through the forest and down another uh, uh, off a off cliff, cliff into a river and did not, you know, get pierced on some sharp boulders. I mean, you know, at least they were able to uh, to to traverse the entire ecosystem. You know, in in uh, Dungeons and Dragons terms, this would be something like the the inflatable raft of imperviousness. <laughs> you know, it'd be a plus five on on healing. <laughs> That's what it would be. That's right. It would That's be right. the the inflatable raft of imperviousness. <laughs> okay, was, I, I, we no. don't have really a construct for subtitles on this show uh, at this point, but but uh, I'm definitely giving this a working title. Of the inflatable, excuse me while I write this down. Inflatable raft of imperviousness. <laughs> yeah. All right. You were saying you were, you were, I think you were about to cop to this movie actually being silly. I said it. I already said this movie is silly. It's a silly movie and it is right. jumping back right. and forth between the silliness and the uh, camp 
and then jumping across the line into, you know, let's rip this guy's heart out and watch it burst into flame. Yeah. Uh, I want I just want to put the last uh, nail in the in the in the proverbial collie coffin. Go ahead. But you know what? It has there's there's nothing wrong with a movie uh jumping around like that. That's that's what I have to say. It's fun I know I like Green Lantern. <laughs> Gosh, are we comparing this to that now? <laughs> Man, maybe Trump. I am crazy. <laughs> no, it's a very it's a very fun movie. And if you put yourself in the mind of a uh, of a preteen, and maybe that's what I do when I watch this movie. I I jump back in time to that when I watched it, and I can relive those moments. And I I watch the the humor and the goofiness and then because i mean you know they're eating eyeball soup but the thing is and, though it's uh, not monkey brains and then yeah it's not what is fun this is so this movie is a unbelievable downer no but look at this they go through the fantasy okay i'm gonna i'm gonna let go the the thing about the uh you know the first opening sequence let's say i put on my preteen hat and i'm watching the inflatable raft escape and it's fun i like club obi-wan i i'm okay with the kicking of the diamond and the antidote and i'm i'm okay with all of that mm-hmm. when they get off that boat and they end up in the city where all the children have been stolen into slavery <laughs> That is where this movie takes the really the only and final turn to the to the the medicated. I mean, it need like <laughs> it's so depressing. They bring this plate, this little plate of crap, like this plate. If they eat crap all day long with on a leaf, and they serve it like a feast, and that's that's supposed to be charming. It's not charming. And Kate Capshaw, please tell me why Kate, Kate Capshaw makes this movie better. I did not ever say that she made this better. I said, Willie annoys me. And she still annoys me, and she always will annoy me. And I think that was the intention of her. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. She still drives me nuts. But I can get past it, and I can still enjoy the movie, acknowledging that she is who she is. And I just have to ride it out. All right. All right. It's a fun movie. And yes, children get kidnapped. Um, they get beaten up a lot. They get, they get beaten, burned. They, they get, get burned. People's hearts get ripped hearts out. People's hearts get ripped People out. People fall off bridges and, and get eaten by crocodiles. There is, there's absolutely that. There's a lot of, of nasty stuff going on. And, you know, I don't know. I, I still like it. It's like a kid's version of um, Saw or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's probably the worst thing that I could say to try selling selling this movie. Oh my god! Are you? Did you really go there? Did you like? I didn't know. That, I, know. I didn't know that Saw was a card that could be played in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't have gone there. Oh man, I just learned so much about you that I didn't ever know, <laughs> and you never wanted. Oh to. man. Yes, I know. I know. Uh, okay, so so uh, so we have a we have a collective problem with Kate Capshaw. Yes, yes. Did, and, did do you know if they, you've watched a lot more of the? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was about going to change the subject. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, and she was, you know, at the time she was very upset about people, you know, calling her character a complete dolt, uh, even though her film her character was a complete dolt. She's just the dumb blonde. 
and as a she's a very feminist woman in reality yeah. and um smart smart woman she she's a very smart woman and i think the thing about it is that you know what she says in the behind the scenes she says you know i had so much fun making this movie it was it was nothing but fun to make and i think that's the thing is like for the people making it it was a lot of fun they had good times and okay this is me acknowledging that you know the the schizophrenic nature of the film um that there is a schizophrenic nature and you know i i think when they're making a movie you're you're doing dark scenes you're doing funny scenes and as people making a movie to a certain extent you're still having fun and you're enjoying it and you know i think one of the filmmakers commented and something when when they put it all together they they finally realized, wow, there's a lot more dark than there is funny in this. And they, they didn't quite intend it to be that way, but that's just how it came out. And so I think that, you know, is why it just feels the way it does. I, you know, they were, they were having fun. They wanted to kind of spice up the darkness with some humor. And maybe that, that created the imbalance. And um, it's definitely still a darker film with that humor. I don't know. I, I like it, though. Do you... Uh, do, did they age Harrison Ford down? Do you know? I don't think I've ever heard anything about that. Um, it, it looked like... I, did you did you notice in the opening scene, it just... I, the vast majority of the movie, you can't... I, I, he looks just like Harrison Ford. But in the opening scene, he looks like... Uh, he looks like a bad sort of bronzing agent. Well... Because it's because he's in the tux and it's so completely anachronistic to what we know of just as so James Bond. So smooth. Yeah, right. He's he's a very um, kind of that 1930s actor yeah. sort of look. You know, he's just kind of got that that debonair feel. I just couldn't tell this, if they this, made, tried to make him look younger because it was a prequel. You know, it could have been. Although um, when I watched it, I didn't realize it was a prequel. I don't think it, I don't think I paid attention enough to the dates. Yeah, and and I don't think that I um, was um, in tune enough with the first one. Where even if I was paying attention to the dates, like I said, we didn't have video. Um, I had no way to remember back to when I saw Raiders that first time, at what year it took place. Right. You know, and now I'm looking online. It looks like that takes place in 1936 and this was 1935. No, it was only a year. That's not a big, well, it's interesting that they, uh, that they made the choice to do a prequel. And I wonder how important that was. I mean, I know it was, uh, George Lucas didn't want the Nazis to be a, uh, you know, the, the sort of protagonist again. Antagonist. Or I mean, antagonist. <laughs> it's a very different go, movie. Nazis go. Very different movie. <laughs> well, and see, this is something else that I really like about this film is Indiana Jones starts off much less the um, the version of Indiana Jones that we know him to be in the second one, where, you know, it's all um, in this one, it's all about fortune and glory. You know, for him, being an archaeologist is about finding the great prize and getting a lot of money for it and and. It's not yet about, you know, letting people see it. It belongs to the people or whatever. I can't remember what he said in the second one, but or in sorry, in, in Raiders, second oh, chronologically. Man. Yeah. This this is the movie that we see Indiana Jones's growth 
go from being the guy all about fortune and glory to being the guy who realizes there's more to an artifact than just fortune and glory. He's able to finally realize that, you know, this artifact, this simple stone that could probably have gotten him at the time hundreds of dollars, um, it really is the key to this community's survival. And, I, you know, he's able to finally learn and grow. And I love that about this film. You know, when you say that, it makes me think that they screwed up uh, River Phoenix, Indiana Jones. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, um, I don't Bef- know why I hadn't put all that together, but you're exactly right. You just, I mean, you totally nailed it for me. And between these two movies, that makes total sense. And then they, it's like they give it away in mm-hmm. uh, the third movie. Yeah, right. That's really interesting. Well, I, we got, we'll talk about that more next week, I guess. Yeah, right. Uh, all right. So uh, talk about, th- give me your uh, impression of the overall pacing of this movie. We talked about it with the uh, Raiders because it, it is just such a perfectly packaged, mm-hmm. um, you know, string of wonderful action adventure events. Do you feel the same thing in this movie? Do you think I do. it was as well-intentioned and well-paced? I, you know, I, I do. I think um, part of that may be attributed to the fact that they actually pulled some concepts that they had for Raiders, some big action sequences um, when they were putting it together that just made Raiders too big. They pulled out the whole, um, essentially the whole beginning of Temple of Doom. Which, which was supposed to be in Raiders. That right. Was, right. Right, like all the way through, like the the whole club fight, the um, the escape, shield, the escape the, from the plane, right? All the of that rolling stuff, shield, the fe- yeah, rolling right. shield. Um, that all was something that they wrote for Raiders, and the whole mine car chase, which um, again, oh, as yeah. a kid, I thought was just such a great thing. But that was also something that they wanted to do in Raiders, and those those action sequences, I think, are so um, so strong. And so exciting um, that I think it just it keeps things moving so well. I mean, that whole beginning of the film, I can't remember how long it is all the way up until they land in India and you see that old man. It's probably like, you know, 12 minutes or something that you're just watching this, you know, this very fast moving picture. Yeah. And it just it's it really pulls you in. They really succeed, I think, in all three films, created four films, I guess, even though I thought the opening to the fourth one was lame. Um, but they succeed in all of them in creating a, a an intense action sequence that uh, really pulls the audience in and gets them into the world very quickly. And then yeah. I do, I, and I do think that this film continued its pacing very well even when it takes its pauses to kind of give you a breather with some humor or whatever they they still find ways to get you um to keep you asking questions or you know they 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 um, are always throwing in some uh, more dramatic questions and little bits of uh, dramatic irony and all sorts of fun stuff huh <sighs> Yeah, but, but you don't think so? No, I. It's not that. I. I do. Um, I, I do. I find the. I find. I found it sort of insufferable. Um, the elephant <laughs> ride was, and this is me watching it now. I mean, I haven't watched it in years. I haven't watched the movie in years, and so you get past that uh, that initial opening scene. They get in the car. They have the escape, um, and and it's great. That's fine. They fall out of the plane on the boat. That's fine. And then they, God, man, the elephants. 
Yeah, um, you're right. The elephant, the through the, the campfire scene was just like I, I just couldn't. I couldn't take it. I found myself really thinking. I wanted. To, I I was really conscientious about watching it because I want to take this take this process for really seriously because I would watch mm-hmm. this movie and I I found it really hard to watch when she's like drying her clothes again uh, <laughs> in the at the campfire wrapped up in the thing and she hucks the snake. It's like I know it's supposed to be a joke. I know it's supposed right. to be fun. It's supposed to be a bit, but it just it just plays as played out. It's yeah, I you're right. I mean, it's character that whole elephant ride trip is character development and it's it can be a little trying. I will I will give you that. And it's because we're really kind of learning a lot more yeah. about Willie and and how annoying she is and I think that's why it's so trying is because she is so annoying. And we need to I, I think we need to step back because I I really I mean you you made a really good point that I you know I say Kate Capshaw you know, she make this, she did not make this movie better. The problem is not Kate Capshaw. She's a, a fine beautiful woman in this movie. It, she's she's a crappy character. She yeah. it's a character that was delivered that that and I think the problem this is another contrast between Marion who was a strong independent interesting foil for or not interesting um uh, partner for indiana jones mm-hmm. and kate capshaw's character willie ends up being uh baggage and I, I i hate watching her as baggage that's not an interesting thing for me the thing that i, I really paid attention to her this last time i watched it because um i was really taking myself out and putting myself into the 30s and saying, okay, imagine her as a mid-30s, not age-wise, but years, uh, as in 1935. She's in 1935, and she's an actress, right? She's she's a singer, dancer, actress, traveling the world and uh, and doing shows and, you know, wants to be in pictures and all this sort of stuff. So I stepped out of the movie, uh, out of my movie viewing, and I really tried thinking about her character as that. From that aspect, I can see why they wrote her the way they did. Unfortunately, I don't think they wrote it right. I think that it doesn't come across the way that they intended. Because I think if you did put an an actress, singer, dancer from 1935 in a situation like this, you know, you may very well end up with this sort of scenario, you know? Um but that being said, the more I watched it, and even just looking at um, at the way that, like, even the hair and makeup department did Kate Capshaw, I have such a hard time believing that that woman actually exists in 1935. I absolutely agree. And I think that was the biggest problem with the character. It's not that she's annoying. I think it's fine having an annoying character. What is the problem is I don't think they wrote it properly as a 1935 actress. Well, see, now wait a minute. Here's the thing. Uh, the, I want to go back to my my point about the baggage. Mm-hmm. What what makes the relationship between Indiana Jones and Marion so interesting to me? When Marion is in trouble... We know that she is a strong and and, and a powerful character of utility, Mm -hmm. right? She makes the movie better because she moves the plot along further, right? right? We know she has a purpose. And when he goes into the tent and makes the explicit decision not to untie her and has to re-gag her and leave her there to rescue later, 
that that's an interesting decision, right? Dramatically. That's one that I'm I'm in. That's yeah, and I think that's because some she, of the most stellar writing that you could have in an adventure movie. Right, because she is she is a powerful character and a partner to Jones and when she's in trouble, we know that he has a reason to be pulled back into that orbit of that mm-hmm. part of the story. Right. When Kate Capshaw is in trouble, I have I I'm I'm really at the point in this movie where I'm saying, God, just leave her. <laughs> really? Come on, man. We've got a whole village of starving children, and she's just going to slow you down. We yeah. guarantee the one thing that they can write with her is that she will slow you down because she's the comic foil. She's, she's you know, she's hot, and there's that little scene with the boobs on the statue. Mm-hmm. But why there's you know do you, I mean does that make sense dramatically like it, that's why I have trouble with her as a character she's written as a as a boob she, yeah she is you're right and that's I think that's both of our problems with her is she's not written as a an interesting character that's that's um, effectively moving the story along I don't have a problem with a character that has to be rescued um, if it's if it's written properly for the purposes of the story. But you're right. I think in this particular case, her character is only there to to basically be the comic foil, like you said. Yeah, well, and you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about uh, Spielberg's reflection on their marriages at the time. And when you look at how, at how these guys, as they're writing this movie, portray the singular woman character in this movie mm-hmm. as a dumb nag. Right. Right. That that's kind of telling too. It, it is. It's very telling of their relationships at the time. This movie's much more of a diary. Yeah. <laughs> than than in a comic. And she's named after one of their dogs. <laughs> Actually, I think. Well, I, he I, is. I, we know he is. He in this movie, Indiana He's, Jones is named after George uh, Lucas's George Alaskan Malamute, Malamute or whatever. Willie is named after Steven Spielberg's Cocker Spaniel. Yeah. And Short Round is named after um, one of the writer's little dog. That's I, don't awesome. know I like Short. I do like Short Round. I'm, I, that's a character that stuck with me. He's a great character. He's, a great character. He's so much fun. I love that he has it's, his own car and he drives around with blocks on his feet. He was like, I don't know, 11 years old or something yeah. when he made this movie. And it's just like it, every kid's dream to be in that yeah. role where you're tagging along with Indiana Jones. You well, know? and... To be able to, you know, from what I gather, the scene in the car, the scene where they're playing poker, uh, and some of the scene in the cave when the spikes are coming out of the ceiling were heavily improvised between Indiana Jones and, and the kid. What's his name? Kihui Kwan. Kihui Mr. Kwan. The I young. think he goes by Jonathan now. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, um, Jonathan Key Kwan is what he's listed as now. So that was, I mean, for, for that's a real gift to be able to sort of sharpen your vocabulary scimitar. Yeah. With uh, with uh, Harrison Ford and, and make it that, just that interesting rapport. I mean, that was fun. That was fun to watch them fight. I really enjoy watching them fight. Yeah, well, he was, and it's because he's such a great character. Yeah. And this was a couple years before he was um, um, in The Goonies, which mm-hmm. I also just have very fond childhood memories of. So don't watch that one again. 
<laughs> I have, and I went through phases with that one. We'll we'll have to talk about yeah, that that's one. That's got to be on the day. list. Because uh, I went through phases where I loved it, and then I couldn't believe how stupid it was, and now I'm back in the I love it camp. I think I am too. Uh, I, I watch, it's when I watch it alone that I hate it, and when I watch it with my kids, uh, yeah, I love it again. But anyway, yeah. Um, Go ahead. So back back to this one. So, um, the story is dark. We've got we we've acknowledged that. We've talked about you know the kids and all that stuff. We you know we haven't talked about is that are you with me? Did you time out? But you know it's still in, yeah. No, I'm here. Yeah, we got a little lag going. Silly Do Skype, we? Skype, stupid Skype. Now you're all right. Go ahead. You look good. Thanks. You too. Sharp. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but it it still is a positive story. You know, it's it's about you know rescuing kids and choosing you know human life over over the fortune and glory. And you know, it's it still is a redemptive story, and and it still is a story that I enjoy. And um, I don't know. I it's a lot of fun. You you do have the crocodile pit or the crocodile river with the crazy bridge and and. Uh, it's just a lot of fun sequences to watch. Like that whole bridge scene was just such a fantastic scene to watch. And his decision to cut the ropes of the bridge. I mean, there is that moment when, when he has the, the, the machete up in the air uh-huh. and uh, short round and Willie wrap their arms around very slowly around the twines of the bridge. Uh huh. That, that's a, that is a, that's a, one of the epic moments in the, yeah. in the series. That's an epic moment. Yeah, it's that's not a scene that you that you were expecting, no. and I think that's what makes a film succeed. And and I think that's why this film succeeds, um, despite all of the problems that it has, is that it has those moments that pushes it um, outside of the realm of your expectations. You know, the last thing that you would expect for for the hero to do on a giant, you know, rickety old bridge over a huge canyon with a, a crocodile-filled river at the bottom is to cut the ropes of the bridge. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I think, such a smart choice for the writers to make to have him do that. And uh, that whole end with the fight on the tattered pieces of the bridge as they're trying to climb up to safety. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, there, no doubt. I, uh, that... That part was great. I I wonder I, what what you have what you you bring up for me is that um, I can't I I find it really hard to articulate what the gag is in this movie, like what the adventure is. Right, mm-hmm. the first one there's the opening scene where he has to get the idol, mm-hmm. and then the balance of the movie is dedicated to getting the ark. Right, right. In the third movie, uh, it's all about the Grail. It's his yeah. dad and his uh, and the Grail. Like there's that sort of bifurcated. We're going to talk about that. Well, and if you're if you're comparing, you know, the individual moments, and then the opening of the third one, it's about him retrieving. Like I can't remember what that guy steals a cross from an old grave or something. Oh right? yeah, sure, the River Phoenix Jones. Yeah, yeah. No, right. you're right. Then, it's it the but but just the overall arc, kind of the adventure, is dedicated to the Ark of the Covenant, the mm-hmm. Holy Grail, and in this movie, it's this it's the Lost Shankara Stones. The Lost Shankara Stones. That's that's. Wildly discontinent, dis, uh, what's the word? Discon, discontinuous, incontinent. 
that's in cotton. Dis, uh, it, discontiguous? Is that what no, no, that's, that's, not, that's not, it. not a that's not it. continent. Uh, you know, there's a chance that we do this show too late at night. <laughs> There's a, ch- there's a chance that there's we might nothing find wrong that. with that. There's they, nothing wrong with that. As I, long as we're enjoying ourselves. But you know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, like after I watch all these three movies, someone comes up to me and says, "You remember the second Indiana Jones movie? What was that one about?" I I, I struggle to remember. I remember the heart. I remember the heart because the dude is able to still look at it as it's uh-huh. beating and and right. You know, I I had never put together that the heart doesn't light on fire until he's. You know, uh, he's burning and he's dropped into the lava, burning in the lava that that actually I mean, I, you know, I just caught that the other night when I was watching this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then they put the stones and he gets the stones and suddenly he gets the stones Mm -hmm. in the middle of the movie. Right. And he makes the decision to go for the glory, for the fortune and glory to save the kids. Right, he makes that human decision uh, in in uh, counter the, to fortune over and glory. the fortune glory. Right, 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 right. Uh, and uh, to save the kids, and then the movie changes. Mm-hmm. Right, that's his moment of of you know yeah. realization. Redemption. That's a redemption there's, moment. There's more to it than than yeah. just getting these stones. Right. Yeah. And to I guess you could say at that point, I mean, he's made the conscious decision. That it's not about the stone; it's about saving the kids. And at the same time, if he's able to save the stone to help save the village, he will do that, which he does end up doing. Yeah. I mean, he's still trying to get the stones. It and honestly, stones, yeah. I think I think if he wasn't having that little battle on the on the vertical bridge with with Mola Ram, um, he probably would have brought those three Shankara stones back to the village, given them one, and then taken the other two and sold them. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's only because Mola Ram is trying to rip his heart out that he lets those other two uh, burn through his bag and fall into the river below. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So, I know, I, well, does that make him a? Does that make him better or cheap? I, I don't. Or? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. I, I can't tell anymore if I'm helping my you, cause. No, I don't know that you are. It. See, the the thing is, uh, here's a problem that I have going into this: is that I'm reading your notes in the in the doc here, and you you have a bullet that's uh, you know it's, you you say darker tone chosen a la Empire in the Star Wars series, and I want to I want to talk about that because. Uh, I want to hear more of your thoughts about that because you're right. I mean, Empire was really very clearly the uh, the dark before the dawn, the dark chapter in the trilogy. Yeah. Well, and that's not my um, words. I mean, those. No, were, I, know. That's, I know. That's what George Lucas wanted to do with this trilogy. He wanted the second of the trilogy to be the darker story, and so you know maybe that was his subconscious, you know, speaking about his his divorce, but. Regardless, he did want to bring something darker and different to the film. And, you know, it's funny that it worked so well for Empire and everyone praises that one. But it, it you know, in many people's eyes didn't work for this one. And even the filmmakers, you know, exactly. this one. Exactly. That was, that's my, that's my take on it. I can't, it, there is no comparison for me for this movie structurally to Empire Strikes Back. Is that, is that, is that your favorite of the series still? It is. Yeah. See, it is, I mean, that's, always has been. That's telling to me. Me too. I, I you know, you had me at Adat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Star Wars. Um, I mean, the, it's it's a, it's an awkward comparison because the Star Wars trilogy is truly a trilogy that's telling 
one long story across the right. three films. Yeah. yeah um, it's clumsy. It's a clumsy comparison. You're right. The, well, no, but I mean, George made it strictly, I suppose, because of the nature of the trilogy, and he just wanted to, you know, make kind of a, a pattern across his trilogies. Or I, I don't really understand his reasoning. Um, I think in in many perspectives, you probably could have done this second film patterned after the first film, and I don't think people would. I, I still think people would have cried foul saying come on you're just doing a rehash of the first one but if they told a good story um you know i i think that it could still fit nicely within the trilogy um and maybe he was wrong maybe in order to really create a solid trilogy maybe he should have kept it the nazis and he could have had the nazis as uh, indiana's foil across all three films mm-hmm. yeah i don't right I don't, well, you know, that's another point that sort of stands out, right? That, you know, they go, they go back to, they dip back into the Nazi well and uh, in the third movie, and it works. Yeah. And the fourth. Right, exactly. They, they jump back to it. Uh, no, the, just the third one. The fourth one's the Russians. Oh, God, no, you're right. See, that's how closely I watched the fourth one. Yeah, I know. You know, well, the fourth I even, one. I even agreed with you when you first said it, because uh, it's, it's so because, right. Because, you know, the fourth one is also about people with accents and uniforms. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yes. Oh, well. Well, I stand. You know, I'm going to tell you. You, I, you made me watch this movie and and try to be open minded. I feel like I did, and I, I mostly I feel like I watched this movie, and I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I watched it again, and I tried to be critical and open minded at the same time. But when you know, there's this scene. There's this scene in the in the mind that kind of sums it all up for me when all the kids are really it's like the worst it, it's like it's like what's going on underneath the orphanage in annie you know <laughs> like uh, if you're really bad that's for right. you you think you think it's a hard knock life up here you little <laughs> bastard go downstairs and see what's underneath you that's right you make your bed <laughs> Uh, but it's when it's when Indiana is like peeking through the rocks, you know. He peeks through the rocks, and and then he realizes, oh my gosh, I gotta I gotta go do something. I I must act because I'm a man of action. And he turns around, and there are seventeen dudes in turbans and masks, and they all pull out their knives exactly the same way and oh. look at him, and they're all like those knives where you pull out and your fingers are on either side, and the blade is kind of in the middle, coming out like you're flipping somebody off. <laughs> And they all do it the same way, and they look like they look like rockets, you know, like they're about to do a little dance number, you know, right? right. And that sort of sums it up. The whole movie seems when it's when it's not uh, just sort of uh, um, just dark and malintentioned. It's it's uh, it's sort of a, a caricature of itself for me, and I just have a hard time with it. Well, but I watched you know, it again. And I feel good about that. So thank you. Well, no, and I'm glad you did, and I'm glad to to know that, you know, it's good to know that even now people's opinions of it can still end up kind of in the same place, um, and that, you know, that you didn't turn. I was hoping that you would go, wow, it was so much better than I thought. I had I'd forgotten. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, for me, it, it's just a... Uh, it is... Um, schizophrenic 
in that you know you've got the the campiness and then you've got the the just the gruesomeness but at the same time it just it's always still struck me as kind of that adventure film and you know i would i i've not seen um many if any actual of those like movie serials that they um, patterned all of these uh, Indiana Jones movies off of, at least when they started making them. Um, but I would venture to guess that a number of them dipped into some darker territory. And part of the adventure of being an adventurer is sometimes you're, you know, you're faced with you know much darker situations than uh, than normal. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. I've never had a problem with that. I've always enjoyed the the fun of it and the um, and the horror. And for me, it's just always worked. It's, uh, you know, for me, the films, you know, Raiders has always been my favorite. But then this one, it, it, it's actually just a steady decline of the films for me. The second one I always have enjoyed um, just under Raiders. And then the third one just under that. And then the fourth one, it's, it hasn't even made it up the slope. That really strikes me because the third one has always been my second favorite. And I, I'm very much I, looking forward to hearing kind of why that didn't age for you very well. Because it, it, uh, it gets back for me. It gets back to the spirit of the first one. Well, no, it does, and, and you know we're, we'll certainly talk about this more next time. Yeah. But but for me, it um, I don't know. It just it had a little less um, raw uh, rawness, I guess. That maybe the first and the second one both have. Like the first one, you've got um, you know it's it's a solid story, but you're also dealing with some very real stuff with with this the um the realities of the arc and when the ending hits regardless of what adventure you've gone through so far i mean you're looking at the wrath of god you know i mean it's it's a very powerful ending when anybody who looks into it is essentially destroyed i mean that's an incredibly powerful ending for that film and and it 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 so far exceeds in in horror anything that you've seen through the rest of the film. I mean, it's a very strong ending, and the second one also is a very um, a very strong film. It's got you know all of the stuff with the the um, the human sacrificing and everything. And I'd say it's it's it has a lot more of that sort of stuff through the entire film. And then the third one, I don't know. It just it felt like. Um, the filmmakers had aged and they, they weren't being as raw when they made their films anymore. And it just, it felt a little less solid to me. They thought, you know what? We probably shouldn't have the joint whipping sessions. Yeah. Like we did in the second one. (laughs) Really? You know, it's funny because I always, it's strange that I think about this when I think about Indiana Jones, because Steven Spielberg actually says it about close encounters, but he says, if I were to make Close Encounters now, I would not have him get into the ship at the end because I'm a different person. I've grown. I have a family. I would not be in a position now where I could leave my family and I would not be in a position as a filmmaker where I feel this person could get on the ship. And to me, that has always bothered me because a filmmaker should be able to separate himself from that and say, it's not about what I would do. It's about what, what's right for this character and what would this character do in the face of this? And to me, that comment that he said later in his life, like in the nineties, always, I, I always reflect on that with the third Indiana Jones, because it just feels like 
you know, they're older filmmakers and he just didn't, there were things that decisions he didn't want to make with it or something. I, I don't know. I feel like I need to watch it again before we get into the conversation. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's definitely on the list. Now I'm looking yeah. forward to next week. So we're going to hit, uh, we're going to hit uh, last crusade. Yep. Uh, next week. Uh, that'll be good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You yeah. know, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's regardless of what I say about it, it's, it's still a very solid trilogy. Um, and regardless of what people think about the second, whether I think I'm, I'm one of the few who would put the second one higher than the third, but regardless of what people think, I think overall people still look at the trilogy as a very enjoyable series of films. And they, they, you know, it, I think all three of them are probably vastly better than, than most films out there today. That's a bold statement. You might be right, but it's a bold statement. I like making bold statements. I'm not always right, but I like to make the statements anyway. You know, there's a scene, uh, you know, there's a scene where what's his Mullah Ram is, is in the, is in the temple, you know, and he's, he's talking to Indiana and the big, the big guy in the turban is holding Indiana down. He's all chained to that rock and Mullah Ram has his fancy helmet. You know, the fancy helmet with the horns. Right. Yep. And he's holding it in one hand and he has his other hand and he's he's stroking it. Do you notice this? He's <laughs> right. stroking it and he looks just like uh it, it's not Blofeld. It's uh it was the one in Las Vegas where the dude had the, the cat. Maybe that was Blofeld <laughs> again, was it again? Where he had the cat? Yeah, it's Blofeld. It's yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it, I think you're right. Yeah. Except it's for he looks that. like he's he is <laughs> totally retarded because he's stroking the skull of a hat. I mean, it just really is ridiculous. And that's no, it's, that, that's that's part of the fun. It's fun. That is fun. If this had been Wayne's World, it would have been appropriate. You know, what's funny is that actor. Um, I I can't remember his name, um, but he's a very popular Indian actor. Um, and this Amrit, this movie Amrish. was his was his launch plat- platform. <laughs> his name is Amrish Puri. Yeah, but but he um, it said in the behind the scenes that he shaved he he had a big head of hair all the way up until this film, and he shaved his head for this film, and he became so popular as like the bad guy in films after this <laughs> that he and and he liked having his bald head, so he he kept his head shaved for you know forever after this movie. That's he always, awesome. He always ended up playing the uh, the antagonist, which I thought I think is just great. I might uh, I might have to shave my head. You I'm gonna should. keep I'm gonna keep the beard though. I've always thought shave, that was a rockin' rockin' look. If you shave your head, I will give you a skull that you can hold and stroke. <laughs> There's another subtitle: the skull you can hold and stroke. Andy, you just you light up my evenings. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. All right, my man. This was a good uh, this was a good uh, good talk. It was thanks. Lovely uh, lovely time. Thanks for hanging out. My pleasure. (laughs) I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. 
If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. Today.